Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sang Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have senior writer and producer with HGTV, Valerie Carrillo. How are you doing this evening, Valerie? I'm doing good. Thanks, Cliff. Good, good, good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Finally, I know we've had to had to reschedule a few times. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. I'm super excited to have you on and super excited to talk about the things that we're going to talk about today. Great. So really quick, before I introduce the topics, I want to take a moment to acknowledge all of our listeners in all 60 plus countries. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us on social media or Apple or Spotify, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at sane underscore show. Again, that's sane, S-A-N-E underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook at The Sane Show. Again, on Facebook, that's The Sane Show. So today we're going to be talking about entertainment skills outside of the industry. And then we're going to have a conversation about the creative process. Following that, we're going to have an interview with you, Valerie, so that the listeners can learn more about you, the things that you do, and then all the fun things that go along with that. Great. So let's go ahead and hop right into it with the first topic, entertainment skills outside of the industry. You know, in the conversation that you know, I had with you prior to the show, just talking to you, learning about what, you know, what you do. You're on the marketing side of HGTV. And I just thought it was really interesting, you know, learning about your background. It just got my brain going again. Because one of the things that came to mind for me is, you know, we oftentimes can find the skills in the arts to entertainment, media, or even, you know, visual art itself and obviously those those skills are very much practical in other areas and it's not always because you have some of these skills like you have to actually be the one or have jobs where you're the one actually creating the content that's being put on you know television or even youtube or any of these platforms that these contents are being shared on so if you could i just I'll just kind of speak on that a little bit uh, as far as you know your thoughts around that, especially doing what you do. Okay. Well, first of all, I am a writer producer. So for in making promos, so we handle a lot of like promos, but I think there's a lot of things that as a writer producer are very applicable in other industries. Writing is universal. So a good writer is going to be needed pretty much in any business area. And and then there's also, as a producer, I've got the project management skills. And so, you know, I think those are applicable, especially in almost every, every business. So if everything, if the bottom dropped out on the entertainment, I think I could definitely, you know, some of the areas that I would probably look into would be like, you know, maybe going into more digital and social, but you know, you can really kind of go anywhere. Um, and, and I think it goes anybody with an art degree or even theater degree and radio, television, film, I think, you know, all of those kind of set you up to look for jobs, kind of any, any industry can take somebody with our skills because you are really good at analysis. So you figure out problem solving and you, you know, the one thing that I think people that are, 
you know, more artistic and definitely, you know, theater side, you can also interpret people's feelings and emotions. So I think a lot of times we kind of tap in very easily to what they call the EQ, you know, there's IQ and then there's um, intelligence uh, um, IQ as well. So, so that's one thing. So you can kind of read people's emotions and maybe their motives. Um, and then we can also kind of, um, there's the whole technical side. So we're good at coming up with creative solutions, explaining the concepts. You also know video production and audio production. And so you literally can take something from creative and take it all the way down to the finish, which a lot of people don't have that skill. And you can also walk into an area and kind of see and visualize what's going to happen. And so those are skills that people that are in the arts, I think, have the ability to do a lot easier than people that maybe aren't trained to do that initially. It's not that they, somebody that's not trained can't do it, but I think learning that is, you know, definitely something that they're going to have to figure out. You're trained when you go to art school and radio, TV, film, and when you're in college. So we kind of have a little bit of a window when you're walking into it as to what to expect. And the other thing is communication. Although I think sometimes our industry can be really bad at communication, but in, in general, we are really good with public speaking. We're good with getting our ideas out and explaining them and showing how they can be creatively solved. We're usually good with getting people's attention, writing. It's kind of in the communication. And then, like I said, with the project management is kind of under that organization and everybody could use somebody that is organized. A negotiation you know, that's something else a producer does is you're really good with negotiating, trying to persuade people, multitasking, time management, the ability to play well with other people. All of those are things that can be used outside of our industry. Yeah, you, you hit on some really good points. One of the things I was thinking about, because even as, you know, I, like I, I talk to other people that are creative, especially podcasters, obviously, because I am a podcaster. <laughs> And you know, I always tell people like these skills that you develop in this business are just amazing. Like because oftentimes people just focus on okay, this person is just a creative, but then like being able to take and look at like you said the technical skills that go into that. You know, so like with a production, like you have to schedule it, you have to plan it, you have to you have a timeline that you work on. You have to write the scripts or whatever and you know you have to do the editing and and depending upon how big or small the production is depending will also determine how much responsibility that you have and because even you know I, I sometimes I, I sat back and thought about it one time I because I, I always tell people I used to uh, book shows for up-and-coming music artists and you know, I think about it now, like getting them into venues. And so like understanding that process and also help, you know, having worked with people that have booked talent before, like I took all of that and I booked talent for myself now. <laughs> so having to reach out to people, having to convince them to come on the show and having to present something to them, you know, that kind of stuff. So like you said, right, the, the negotiating, the communicating, because especially like as at least you know, for me, like as my platform has grown, the more serious I have to take it and also, you know, be more polished, right? Not even as, not just as a host, but as someone who wants people like yourself to come on the show, right? Like, is this like, 
you, you see where I'm getting at? So I, I totally agree with you when you talk about the skills that, that are developed through, through this business or in this industry. And I think oftentimes that's missed by people. Well, it's like there's a ton of soft skills. Now, there are hard skills that you learn, you know, that other people have, like, specific software, like After Effects or stuff like that. You know, we also have that, but that's not necessarily transferable to every industry. But the soft skills, like negotiating, you know, you you were booking talent, you know, working with difficult people and, you know, and learning how to play well with everybody and, and trying to get the most trying to get so that we're all trying to get the job done yeah. those are really important <laughs> skills working within a time frame you know that's definitely you know we have very tight deadlines in this industry and so that we've got to turn around and sometimes sometimes we can move them there you know but other times you can't and you've just got to do what you got to do to get the job done so and I think some of the people I know that the people I work with have you know solid like work you know they will work long hours to get get whatever it is done so there's been plenty of times when I went to work at 10 o'clock in the morning and worked till five o'clock in the morning the next day so it thankfully those days I have not many of those days in a very long time but you know <laughs> we whatever it takes and I don't know if you'll find that you know I don't think a bank somebody that has banker they're used to working like insane um, jobs. So I think there's a, definitely our industry, the bottom drops out. It's, you know, it's good to know that I feel pretty confident that I could move to any, any industry and get a job, but I'd love being a creative person. So I think I'd really want to stay and be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is awesome. It, it really is. And I, I agree with everything that you're saying as well. we're back so want to have a conversation with you about the creative process I'm I'm really excited about this one I, I guess I guess because it's just it's just one of those things that like I don't know like when, when we talk about the creative process it's always exciting and largely because you know I'm always interested in what inspires other people as creatives and because there's all there's something that can be taken from that. And I know for me personally, I try to find inspiration as in as many things as I can. So that's why I'm always intrigued by what inspires other people, especially like musicians. And you know, one of the examples I wanted to throw out there was like uh, Kendrick Lamar, my favorite rapper, and like how he listens, he has a very neglected uh, taste in music. You know, he listens to jazz, classical, even pop music. I know he mentioned like Taylor Swift one time. It's just interesting to see how people are inspired. And, you know, I just kind of want to hear about, you know, what inspires you, especially because in our conversation, I remember you mentioned like you like listening to music. So I really just want to you know, just have a discussion about that as far as inspiration in or the creative process, but and how important, you know, inspiration or getting inspiration is important to that. So I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, take it from there. I think when I'm first handed a project, the first thing I do is kind of a research thing. And that's kind of figure out what it is, what kind of show will I be promoting? Who are the talent? What is budget? You know, but then comes like the incubation time where you just kind of let those ideas kind of swirl around the head. 
and you start looking for inspiration. And for me, it might be just writing down words or phrases. Maybe I'll, I might find it in magazines or I might find it, you know, just kind of watching commercials. And I just, in listening to music, I think is a really good way, as you said, sometimes it's just going through, I love Apple Music or Spotify and just kind of listening to that. And I'll start just throwing some music that I think just kind of speaks to that particular project in kind of my own little personal playlist. And sometimes I'll go back and I might look at maybe even using that some of those tracks for the license and use it as music for, for the particular spot. But like I said, there's other ways to do it. Sometimes it's just going to galleries and looking at artwork, like I said, or, you know, movie trailers and just, you know, gathering thoughts, ideas, colors, images, photography. I'm going to be doing a shoot. What kind of tone am I looking for? Just, just ideas that, you know, almost creating kind of a mood board just so that you can just start thinking about how, how is this going to play out? And, you know, and other times it's just going for long walks, you know, clearing your head sometimes, getting away from it all and just thinking. Sometimes it's nothing. Doodling is another great way. You know, like I said, the writing down words, I always have like notebooks with me. I always have a notebook by my bed because there will be times when I wake up in the middle of the night and I've had a dream about work or something. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta write this down. <laughs> And so, or, or I'll type it as I'm, I, I see something and I'm constantly writing things in my, you know, my memos on my phone. I, I can't imagine doing my job 20 years ago because it's like I use so much things like playlists in the memos on my phone. And before it would just be like sitting there writing, dragging around my notebook or something like that and having to have like pads of paper everywhere or see, you know, just a bunch of CDs and stuff where I was constantly buying CDs, but now it's great. It's all digital. I can create. So it's me. The technology has definitely, I think, helped the creative process. And it definitely, you know, there's, as we were talking earlier, you know, technology can be, you know, the biggest, your biggest friend, or it can be your worst nightmare. So, but, but I love it for the most part. Then you just start kind of combing through your, some of those ideas and you figure out what's garbage. And, you know, and as you get closer, sometimes you're panicking because you've got that looming deadline that I talked about earlier. But for me, I actually work well under pressure. And so at this point, it's like, okay, hey, maybe this piece of garbage that I thought was bad isn't so bad after all. And it just starts coming together. But I like to come up with ideas that are like thinking really big, out of the box, super expensive. And then also try to come in with other ideas that are a little bit cheaper, that maybe we could just use existing show footage, that we can do like a clip-based thing, but maybe with a really cool piece of music or with some really cool graphics. Because you never know, even though that really expensive idea that you had, they may come back and they may kick it and say, we don't have, you know, no, that's too big or, but they may decide to use it for a different project. And so it may actually, so no idea is bad really in the end. So true. Um, <laughs> and so you can always come back and take some of your old ideas that maybe didn't muster through and you could kind of brush it off sometimes for, for other other shows, other things. So, you know, I just, I think artists and musicians and stuff, they kind of go through a very similar process where they're just listening, you know, and absorbing and, and then you can kind of spit it all out. Like right now, now's the time, now that we've all been kind of, you know, stuck inside, I would think next year that I would hope that a ton of artists have used this time very well to just 
use it as a really good inspiration moment, 2020, even though it's a crappy year, that next year, maybe all of a sudden we're just kind of like great music and great art that will come out of this is that the, I'm hoping that's what, what artists will use this 2020 as a time for. Unfortunately, I did not think about that until like, well, I thought about it early on and then I did nothing, but I was like, you know, this has been really good. Like I've been stuck inside working from my home. Why didn't I do something kind of creative? Like take a picture of me coming to work every day and, you know, putting it to a video or something like that. I'm like, you know, I just thought about it. And, you know, cause I've gone through, I'm on my third season. It's like, it's now fall. Yeah. <laughs> the leaves are falling. <laughs> so I've gone through three seasons of this, looking out the same window. And I'm yeah. like, man, I should have done something. You know? <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> um, but it's stuff like that. Where's like all the great, you know, so many things have happened this year. You've had like, you know, all these protests and stuff. So you're thinking, you know, some great protest music might come out of it or great protest art. Right. Here, we should have had a lot of time at home to work on this. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you hit on quite a few things, especially, especially when you're talking about like getting out, right? And I think about how I went to the lake actually earlier today to just go out there, meditate and get some peace, solitude. And I even took a picture and I put the picture on Instagram when I got home and I thought about it or I went back and looked at it, you know, I thought about my experience and I'm just looking at the picture and, you know, just kind of getting my brain going and like just to be out there and have that escape is 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 an experience and it definitely helps with the creative process because I just think about like when you, you know when you have time to be in nature decompress and it's almost like it just allows your mind to open up right get rid of everything that's cluttering your mind that's that might be pressing and all of that kind of stuff and just you know empty your head for a little bit and just really be in a moment so and I, I think that really helped it totally helps with the creative <laughs> it yeah. really does because there's times when you've got like all these projects and sometimes you just need to just forget it all, walk away and just go sit, meditate, as you said. Exercise is also a really good way, but just decompress and step away. And then when you come back, you're actually stronger. You might actually find the ideas faster. Ideas might just come, you know, when you learn to relax a little bit. So very important piece. Yeah, that's 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 so that's so true and even all the way up because i i I was i was actually wondering about this shortly before we got started i'm like okay does listening to music count (laughs) because as far as as far as like after like i get my notes together so every before every recording i get my notes together but then i list i you know i just go listen to some music and like i usually jam out before before I get on the phone with everybody so like even before talking to you like I'm jamming out to some new jazz music a uh, smooth jazz music I, I downloaded a couple days ago and I was just thinking like because I'm not creating anything but at the same time like for me it like gets me excited because I'm always excited to do these and gets my blood well, flowing <laughs> yeah but my husband and I actually he's been he's a is a camera operator and so he's been home quite a bit because there's nobody's for the longest time nobody was shooting anything but he is he and I like I like things very quiet where I'm working and he is like working and has got the music cranked up and I'm like okay we've got to come to it <laughs> and I love music but I'm not like cranking it at 
at the highest level, you know, the decibels and stuff. And anyway, he's, so we've, we've now like, I will walk away for an hour and he uses that time to listen to the music. You bang on his drums or whatever. <laughs> But in other times he has to wear a headset. If he yeah. looks in real I'm like, I can't have that when I'm in the middle of a Zoom meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's too funny. All right. Now I'm going to ask you some questions, Valerie, so that the listeners can learn more about you, the things that you do, and all the fun things that go along with that. So I'm going to go ahead and fire off with this first question. In your early days, you started by cutting little promotional material for a local network, but you were never really taught how to. How did you learn how to cut and create promotional content? Actually, in college, I was a radio TV film major. So I took this one ad writing class that ended up being probably one of the most valuable classes that I took in my career. And so it kind of helped me to think creatively, look out of the box. And so when I first got my job in the, as you said, it was local TV. So it was in Dallas and we were just pretty much promoting a bunch of talk shows and B movies. And honestly, that was probably just a super fun job because we had the freedom to play and play around with stuff, think really out of the box, do crazy things. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes we were told to kind of tone it down by the management, but they gave us a lot of freedom. And so that actually really helped me kind of get some create, you know, neat stuff on my reel. And then I was able to kind of move on from there. But, but it was just one of those things that it's 30 seconds. So you just kind of, you're writing like a commercial. So uh, that is another thing that I always did is I'm the person that's watching more commercials on TV. And so I think by just absorbing and seeing how commercials are written and paying, being and paying attention to that, you kind of get a feel for promotional copywriting for television. And so, and you get better as you go along. So it's, it's all copywriting really. And so it's just, I think, having that freedom and stuff kind of taught me how to actually do that. As far as editing, most of the time, I just kind of learned on the fly. I pretty much work with editors now. So I'm not really working and doing my own editing most of the time. I know how. Most of the time what I do might be cut something just really super rough just to give them an idea of what I'm looking for. Or maybe I'll do a paper cut on, you know, on a script and just kind of find the bites and just kind of paste it out. But my job working with an editor is very collaborative. So I might write the copy and then I'll have some ideas for a lot of how, what kind of bites and stuff that I want to put in there. But we end up, may end up changing it as we go in and start building things. So what I start with on my first piece, on my first cut, may not even be what we end up with because just things kind of change and evolve. So you decide to kind of pivot a little bit and go to a little bit different direction. And then, of course, as you go through all the approvals, and we have like layers and layers and layers of approvals. In fact, that's what I found going from more local, more into network, is that the layers of approval, and I think it's kind of the same way when you get into agencies, more and more people put their eyes on it and you end up, you know, so literally what you had at the beginning is nothing near what you have at the end. But so it's, um, 
And same with graphics, you know, I'm working with graphic artists and I'm working with people that are in audio. And so, you know, you might, you have a whole team of people that are working on one 30 second spot, or actually it ends up being a campaign of several different spots, but, but the, you know, all of these spots are kind of similar in tone. So from an outside perspective, in-house promo probably doesn't sound all that different from an ad agency. What are some of the differences between working for an in-house promotional department working for an, an ad agency and working for a trailer house? Well, in-house, there's one client. And so you're, you're focused is on, you know, specific areas of the advertising for that one client. So my client right now is HUTV. In the past, it's been other networks that I've worked with or the TV. And so, you know, we're focused on creating off-air and off-channel campaigns. And then, you know, we're also doing stuff that are more off air like billboards magazines social advertising and then we also create things like sizzles that might be for pr department or advertising you know but the one thing that in-house they know the brand very well they have a good understanding of the culture and the philosophy and all the internal processes that are needed for that particular brand the outside agency, they have to be briefed on what the goals are. And so they aren't necessarily connected on the culture or kind of what the philosophy is of our particular brand. So that's one thing that when you do hire an agency, they oftentimes can be a really good partner and they, they definitely have like the marketing experience and not just in one area. So they might be really good to kind of help build with strategies. And like I said, they can kind of, you know, a lot of their creative teams and stuff might help us kind of think outside of the box. So they are really good to be partners with. Like a trailer or kind of a creative house, they also don't just focus on one, one client, but they're more of on the creative side. So they're kind of helping you with, literally, we work with a lot of, a lot of outside agencies like that. And so they're helping us, sometimes we just use them to help write and other times we're going to them where they're actually helping us with the actual editing and, and graphics and, you know, and then we end up finishing things in house. They're great partners. We, you know, we have limited, you know, there's a lot of times there's like limited abilities here. And so we have X amount of editors that we're working with. So it's nice to be able to go out of house but we do have to work with them because there are certain things that we like I said about the whole internal processes and stuff that also come into play. So sometimes we might just have them deliver, you know, like go so far and then we bring it back. Like I said earlier, we'll bring it back and we'll finish it and we'll version it out and stuff internally. So, but all those, you know, I think all of those are very important in our industry. And, you know, I think it's a great, especially if you're getting your start, it's a great way to either go with the network or get your foot in the door in an agency. And you can always kind of bounce from those three places. Another thing about ad agencies and creative houses is they often come in with much different perspectives that we hadn't even thought about, but there is the cost side. We can definitely, when we have bigger budgets, those are great things to, great resources to tap into. But on the day-to-day -day smaller budget stuff, the in-house is it's amazing what we're able to create in-house a lot of times. So that leads into my next question. You know, uh, a promo is meant to do a lot. It has to compete with ads for other things, bring awareness to the brand and bring awareness to the show. How do you define success for promotional pieces? 
You know, I think ratings is one of the biggest keys. You know, uh, um, I know for a promo, uh, we know it's been successful when the first 15 minutes of the show has really good ratings. We know that we brought them to the table. We brought everybody to the show. And after the 15 minutes, it's kind of up to the pr uh, programming team. You know, that's when you know if the programming team also did their job too, because they cut the interest. People stayed there. Another element is getting people talking about the show before that, where there that excitement. That's when you hear people talking about the show, you know that they've seen the promo. And so working with our PR department, when they're sending out our spots to people like E and people are seeing that and generating that kind of buzz. So that all gets out there. And especially with the bigger campaigns, you know that it makes you feel good. I think the ultimate success is when you get peer recognition because those are the people that understand everything that you have gone through as a creative. And so it might be award like Promax, BDA, or Creativity, or an Emmy, you know, and then there's, you know, more on local levels, you've got the regional Emmys. And that, that's just from my little world of promotion in, in, um, in television. You know, another way that is that we can also measure it is Promax is this organization and they've partnered with Broadcast and Cable and so they offer this thing called Promo Mojo. And so it's kind of a weekly chart that kind of offers kind of the, da the data of the week's top five TV promos. And they kind of rank it by ad impressions. And it's kind of a great tool to see kind of the attention score. So those are things that, and I, they mainly follow the bigger campaigns that go off channel. But it's really good to see, A, people are watching your spot and you can see how long they're staying for. You know, if you can get, you know, where they're staying almost for the entire time of your commercial, you know, you've actually done something, you know, you know that people are paying attention to your spot. And it's kind of interesting. Some of the spots, you know, when we've been able to hit their top five, it's kind of like, wow, I didn't really think that there's times when I thought, well, that may not have been my greatest spot, but you know, in other spots, and, and it had like this outrageously high attention. And then other things that you spent your, you know, poor, you know, you just spent so much time on and people made, you know, it made the top five, but people weren't paying attention to it nearly as much. So it's kind of interesting, um, just as a, as a good tool to kind of use and kind of check out. But I would say those are, for peer recognition, that's, you know, you know that they understand you and to get an award is the ultimate. My final question to you, uh, during COVID, productions have obviously halted. How have you had to adjust and what are some positive takeaways? You know, I think it's been a daily adjustment. It's getting better. I think we're kind of all getting used to it. But obviously, the first thing that radically changed was the shoot. All shoots were just pretty much ground to a halt until like late summer. And so... We have been in, in production. Um, our programming has been in production now since the summer. We're kind of on the promo sides. We're kind of gearing back up. In fact, I've got a shoot next week. And so I'll be very curious. You'll have to check back with me because I will be monitoring it via Zoom. It'll be my first time ever on doing that. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I guess it's probably... A production companies best, you know, they probably love having the producer in a completely different state. <laughs> Instead of them in Media Village over to the side, it's like now we can get them like states away. <laughs> right. We can turn them on mute. <laughs>
So they probably love that. But I don't know, you know, it's going to be really different. It's like, well, you know, in some ways, I think you just, you just have to be flexible. It may not be perfect. And it's just kind of like, you know what, but we are part of what we do is we are, we're problem solvers. So if it's not perfect, well, we can figure out what we can use and we make the best of it. And it may end up coming out better than what we initially thought. So I think COVID has taught us all how to be agile. You know, we've got to be prepared to pivot on a moment's notice. I don't think it's really a time now for egos because you've just got to get the job done. And and I don't know about other people, but we are moving at lightning speed and there seems to be a lot more work. There is definitely less people. And I think, you know, it was already a crazy time in our industry because we had the cord cutting, which has kind of kind of been driving some layoffs and stuff. So when you add that with a lockdown, which affected a lot of our advertisers, it's just you know, now we're having to create a lot more content because maybe um, we're filling in more commercial time. But like I said, you're able to think on a dime. And so we're able to spit out promos really quickly, you know, trying to make people feel better in, with our talent. And so we were able to get talent just using their Zoom and, and sending us messages or their phone or computer. So we used a lot of, we were actually producing quite a lot of content, especially during the lockdown that we hadn't even thought about, you know, until that moment. It was just like, and, and our talent were more than willing to, you know, to talk, you know, to be part of this experience. So it was great. Awesome. So. Awesome. <laughs> always, uh, always glad to hear how, you know, everybody's making things work for them. You know, and thank you for, you know, taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. Again, I'm, ex I'm excited that we were able to have this conversation. I really enjoy speaking with you. Definitely will have to have you back on in the future. <laughs> so yeah, thank you again, Valerie, for taking time to come out on the same show. All right, thank you very much, Cliff. It was great talking to you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. And listeners, thank you guys for continuing to listen to the show. But to continue to like, share, and subscribe. And remember, you're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.